Welcome to the First Apostolic Church Podcast. Our church mission is to love as God loves, showing compassion to every soul, thus winning those souls and equipping them to be sent out to plant and to harvest. Thank you for joining us today, and we hope that you are blessed by today's podcast. As well. Romans 6, verse number 14, starting. The Bible says, For sin shall not have dominion over you. For ye are not under the law, but under grace. What then shall we sin because we are not under the law, but under grace? God forbid. Know ye not that to whom ye yield yourselves servants to obey, his servants ye are to whom ye obey, whether of sin unto death or of obedience unto righteousness. But God be thanked that ye were the servants of sin, but ye have obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine which was delivered you. Being then made free from sin, ye became the servants of righteousness. I speak after the manner of men because of the infirmity of your flesh. For as ye have yielded your members servants to uncleanness and to iniquity unto iniquity, even so now yield your members servants to righteousness unto holiness. For when ye were the servants of sin, ye were free from righteousness. For a little while tonight, and I don't have something deep and profound, but he told Timothy to preach the word. And I want to preach this evening this, free from sin. Free from sin. Help us one more time as we go to the Lord in prayer. Father, God, I love you this evening. Appreciate you, O Lord, God, for your spirit. God, that has come down, Lord, in this place that we have recognized and that we have felt. Pray, O oh God, that you would anoint, Lord, my mind, these lips, Lord, tonight to speak what you once said. May, Lord, to follow your leading and your guiding, Lord. Instruct us tonight through and by your word. I know, God, that you're able to help us. God, help us, Lord, as we just preach the word. God, as we take our hands and our minds and just, Lord, filter through the scripture here. I pray, oh God, that our lives can be touched and renewed by the Spirit, the power of the Holy Ghost. Jesus' name that I pray. Amen and amen. The church say amen. You may be seated tonight in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Free from sin. Earlier in this year, I was reading a book that was entitled Alcatraz the true end of the line. And in this particular book was a true story of a man who through various crimes and some escapes, mind you, had went uh, from different institutions and correctional facilities of varying degrees of, of security and in the end ended up in Alcatraz. He started as a very young boy uh, in trouble 
uh, doing crimes and getting himself in situations that he should not have. As the story would go, he was in several facilities. He started out in an Iowa training school for boys just to indicate it was a juvenile thing when he was very young. He went from there to a California Youth Authority, from there to a federal reformatory in Oklahoma, from there to the Nevada State Penitentiary, and then to a federal penitentiary in Leavenworth and finally found himself on that notable island, that place called Alcatraz. That's just a few miles off of San Francisco Bay. And as he was a prisoner there and an inmate there, uh, he acted and it was his responsibility to be the cook. Uh, there at Alcatraz while he was still a prisoner. And he was actually there. He was a part of one of the final groups that was there whenever Alcatraz was actually closed down. He was still there serving his time and his sentence. And eventually the rest of his sentence, if my memory serves me correctly, uh, was, was, was dismissed. And after that uh, took place, he went back to Alcatraz, and this is quite peculiar, and served as a tour guide. Uh, for that facility and I guarantee you he had some inside uh, stories that no doubt he could share if anybody was to be a good tour guide it would be this gentleman that was a part of that but he was a tour tour guide for those that now visit the facility as as a place of tourism Alcatraz that was otherwise known as the rock and so whenever you talk about inmates you talk about uh, prisoners at least these particular ones at Alcatraz if if there's ever a group of people that know how to deceive or secretly hide wrongs, these men are the best, or women, are the best of the best and the greatest of the greatest. As a matter of fact, in his book, he told how uh, they would empty the solid silver extinguishers. Brother Fred, they had these solid silver extinguishers. Take them apart and empty them and replace with the, 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 the liquid, I suppose, that is in there. Replace that with yeast and allow that yeast to ferment and make their own beer. Uh, make their own beer and then store the liquid beer back in those canisters and the guards and everybody being totally oblivious to what was going on. They was doing it incognito, in, in secrecy. It was hidden. They knew how to do these things. These are con artists. These are the best of the best. But as this guy tells, and this was not a fable, it was a true story, as he told of all the different things, and there are a lot of things that he spoke of, one of the many facts, one of the many notations that he made mention of concerning the rock or Alcatraz is something that has stuck with me now for quite some time and I quote he said this just gentleman said he said on Alcatraz one of the rules that should be noted was that even if an inmate was declared dead he said the officers could not take his body off the island unless it was handcuffed and shackle. He says, why? I cannot tell you, but it was a rule and it was carried out. And from my perusal and reading of this book, I believe I've drawn my own conclusion and I have an opinion why those officials left those declared dead bodies still handcuffed and shackled when they left the island because out of the stories that he told of people that tried to escape that 
place called Alcatraz, which were few who tried to escape. There were few that did ever succeed in their escape. Most did not. I am of the opinion tonight that those officials kept those corpses handcuffed and shackled because they didn't want there to be any chance of these notorious con artists, murder, murders, if you will, some, to fake a medically deemed death and get away from the rock without restraint only to resume the lifestyle that they had before they ever came to the rock. I believe they were handcuffed and I believe they were shackled. Those restraints were upon them as a second mode of defense to ensure that the dead was going to remain dead and not have any way possible to become active again. If pre-adventure, it was not for real. Someone say amen. I believe tonight that there are times, amen, in our lives as Christians, times in our life as a church that we come to the Lord, we repent of our sin, we get baptized in Jesus' name. There's the rolling away of the old man, the rolling away of the old life, the rolling away of the old ways. But every once in a while, I see that the dead corpse tries to come back to life. And there's reasons why from pulpits at times we preach about restraints and we preach about boundaries and we preach about drawing lines because if you will, what we're trying to do in the realm of the church is this. We're trying to place the proverbial handcuffs and shackles, amen, on the old man and not on the new creature. Someone say amen. For my Bible tells me very plainly in Romans that sin shall not have dominion over you. I understand there is a certain reason or why that we can come to this conclusion. There's a reason why that the apostle could plainly say that sin shall not have dominion. Look at your neighbor and tell him, sin's not going to have dominion over me. Sin's not going to have dominion over me. I take very much so comfort from Scripture from that phrase because I understand sometimes that sin would desire to rear its ugly head again in my life and cause me, if you will, to commit sins and me get involved in the process and the actions of sinning. But I have a promise in God's Word. Amen. If I follow a proper process that sin does not have to have dominion over me. See, whenever we consider sin having dominion, the word there means to rule or be Lord of or supreme authority or controller or master. He was saying that sin is not going to be the ruler over you. Sin's not going to be the Lord of you. Sin's not going to be the supreme authority in your life. Sin is not going to be your controller. Sin is not going to be your master. Amen. Listen to me, folks. Sin as a sibling, sin as a companion, sin, whatever else you want to call it, amen, may be the case, but sin better not, should not, cannot be the master over you and I. 
Let me say it like this. It doesn't have to be that way. Once you come to the Lord, you don't have to live in a life that is still dominated, controlled, ruled by sin. Are you telling me, Brother McGee, I'll never fall? No, that's not what I'm saying. Are you telling me I'll never make a mistake? No, that's not what I'm saying. But what I'm saying is it don't have to have dominion. It doesn't have to be your master. Your master. There is a far difference in sin cropping up every once in a while in your life and it being your master, it being your Lord, it being the one that controls you, tells you where to go, what to do, what not to do. It shall not have dominion over the church amen doesn't have to have dominion over us why because the scripture says that we are not under the law we are not under the law Amen. The Bible tells us in 1 Corinthians 15, 56, it said that the strength of the law or the strength of sin rather is the law. He said, but we're not under the law. And so if we're not under the law and the strength of sin is the law, amen, sin is losing strength because we're not under the law. We're under grace. Amen, what does that mean to you and I? That we are under grace and not under the law. Amen, the law in all of its power of what it could do, there's something that it could not do. The law could identify us as sinners. The law could identify sins and at many times it would punish those sins and at the same time, kill the sinner the law could just do nothing but punish the one that was doing the deeds slap its hand hurt it and many times they died because they were a sinner but grace deals with things differently than what the law does grace deals with the sins but it pardons the sinner Someone say amen. It, it deals with the sins, but it pardons the sinner. Now, now I, I know that. I know we all have stated many different phraseologies. Amen. However you want to state it. Amen. That whenever you become a child of God, amen, sometimes we'll warn people that it's not always a walk along the rosy road and all the clouds are not going to turn, amen, to little ponies and, and the dark skies is going to rain skittles down. Amen. We don't give people that type of picture. We let them know there are going to be difficulties there are going to be hardships we tell them sometimes that hell will put its crosshairs up on them and I'll admit to you tonight as a child of God that living for God sometimes can feel like a very hard thing to accomplish but I want us to come to awareness tonight and not just push off well living for God is hard and, and we're just under the attack of the enemy because I feel like sometimes that's all we get out of our mouth this is just hard we're in the attack of the enemy. I want you to know in reality, we're not subjected to anything more than what you were when you were living in the world. Amen. The difference now is this. You're trying to live your life in a way contrary to your nature. And so therein lies the difficulty. It's not the problems are any different per se. The trials are necessarily any different. The temptations are any different. 
but you're trying to swim upstream and all of that. Amen? See if I can. Can I get a few guys with me real quick? Real quick, real quick. Come on, people, guys, children, whoever. If you're a human being and you're breathing, I got one. That's one. That's one, two. Can I get two? How about three? Everybody already on my honey? I'm whole four. Five, I'm five. Amen. I got a few more. I need a few more. Come on, come on, come on, come on, come on. Come on, come on. Okay, that works good. Can you all just like that side by side begin to walk down the aisle here? Can we can we walk down the aisle together? Yeah, man, this is this right here. This is my temptation. These are my addictions. All of this is the stuff that I get frustrated with. These are temptations and trials. Amen. And as long as I'm with them and walking with them, no problem. All right. Now listen. These are the same temptations, the same trials, the same difficulties. I was in the world, but now I'm in the church. I'm with God. Same trials, same difficulties. But what I'm trying to do is live a life contrary to them. Same thing. Walk toward me. Same thing. It kind of it kind of breaks down my motivation. Amen. It's the same problems, same trials, same tribulation, same things that I faced in while I was in the world. Amen. It's not that it's harder now. It's just that my position has changed, and I'm trying to live contrary to all of that. Can I tell? Say, well, Brother McGee, whenever I got in church, I got some problems I never had before. That's a bunch of baloney. You got the same problems now that you had before you ever got in church. You're just trying to live a different life. You're trying to go a different direction. Oh, I'm facing things I never faced before. Yeah, that's probably true because before you was walking through it and now you're facing it. but I got a declaration from the word of God. You don't have to tuck tail. You don't have to turn around and just join whether it's easyism and where it's just fine and dandy and everything's grand by turning your life back over, amen, to the servant of sin. You do not have to be, amen, under the dominion of sin. You can be free. Christ wants to deal with your sin but pardon you. But it's hard. I'm facing stuff like I never faced before. That's not scriptural. The Bible says in 1 Peter 5 and verse number 8, a popular verse of scripture, he says, be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary the devil has a roaring lion walketh about seeking whom he may devour. Can I get my hanky out of there? Amen. I threw my jacket off and my hanky at the same time. Whom ye may devour. Now look at this. Nine. Whom resist. Amen. Steadfast in the faith. Look at it now. Knowing that the same afflictions are accomplished in your brethren that are in the world. What's he saying? Well, I'm a Christian. Bless God, I lost my job. Let me tell you, there's people out in the world who lose their job. Well, I'm in the church. I'm being diagnosed with a, with a disease. There's people out in the world being diagnosed with a disease. Well, I'm in the church, and I lost such and such and so and so. Amen, and I'm being sensitive. I understand that. But there's people in the world that's lost such and such and so and so. Well, well I'm in here, and something just catastrophic. There was a natural disaster that just depleted everything we had to sort out. There's people in the world that that's happened to. you got to know that the same afflictions are accomplishing those in the world as those that are in the church. Someone say Amen. 
the exact same thing the only difference is again is because now you're trying to walk in a manner that's contrary to your former former life in the world the Bible said Jesus spoke to his disciples he said in the world he didn't say the church he said in the world you shall have tribulation but be of good cheer I have overcome the world in the world or in the church it doesn't matter you're going to be faced with afflictions you're going to be subjected to some woes and to some pains but I come to tell you today just because you feel the weight of that doesn't mean you got to give in just because you feel the weight of that doesn't mean you got to surrender sin shall not have dominion over you we're guilty of this all the time I just we was just guilty of it on our trip you know had some difficulties on our trip some sickness so on and so forth and I, among others, probably spout, man, we're probably going to have a good camp because we're being fought physically a lot for this. But let's just get real, real for a moment. There's probably some other family that was in a caravan going to Texas that was just going on vacation. That was in the world. They probably was in an urgent care center and the husband and wife and probably one of their kids got sick just the same. Moral of the story is this. Life in this broken world just comes with afflictions. Whether you're in the church or whether you're out of the church, it just comes with afflictions. It comes with tribulations. It comes with trials. It comes with seductions. (sighs) But whenever I consider these afflictions, I remember what David said in a few verses of Scripture, if I may share He said, many are the afflictions of the righteous. He said, but the Lord shall deliver him out of them all. He said concerning Joseph in Acts 7, he says, and delivered him, speaking of Joseph, out of all his afflictions. In 1 Thessalonians 3, 3, he said that no man should be moved by these afflictions for yourselves know that we are appointed thereunto. He said in 2 Timothy 4, 5, he said, but watch in all things, what did he say? He said, endure afflictions. Amen. And our adversary, yes. Amen. Afflictions come. So we, we got the point down. Afflictions come because we are in the world. All right? We're a church that's in the world. They'll come. But he did tell us to be sober. He did tell us to be vigilant because there is a devil that's as a a roaming, a roaring rather lion and he is walking and roaming about seeking whom he may devour. But he does not approach us with anything different than what he approaches the world with. Amen. The apostle, he also said, he said, we through much tribulation must enter into the kingdom of God. But he didn't regulate that tribulation to the church only. Uh Uh-huh. He just said, just because we're a part of this world, there's a certain measure of affliction that comes upon us. But in order to succeed, in order to succeed in this new life, that we started with the Lord in order to succeed with the afflictions that we'll have whether we're in church or out of church. In order to succeed, we got to learn to resist. Because the question, the apostle posed the question in verse 15. He says, if we're no longer under the law but under grace, 
He says, what then? He says, shall we sin because we're not under the law but under grace? And the words are strong and the words are certain. God forbid. Someone say amen. God forbid. He's saying, should we keep on living like we were living? Because now God deals with sin and pardons the sinner. And the answer was emphatically, no. No. That the answer to the temptation, the answer to the affliction is not given into it. Amen. The answer to the sin, the answer to the temptation is to resist the devil as James said, and he will flee from you. But we first must submit ourselves, therefore, to God. We must resist the devil as Romans state, but we must first be steadfast in the faith. So submitting to God and being steadfast to the faith increases our power to resist against the devil. Now, so we got dead bodies that got handcuffs and shackles on them. They're dead. But we still preach boundaries, limitations, and restraints. Those are the shackles and the handcuffs. Just in case. It's not as dead as we thought it was. Someone say amen. And so with those limitations and with those perimeters, we understand very clearly our safest place is not on the perimeter. Our safest place is to be at the core, the furthest away from the perimeter. Because there is a roaring lion that seeking whom he may devour. And by nature, lions do not penetrate the flock or penetrate the herd to get an animal out of the center of the herd or the center of the flock. One that it seeks to devour is on the perimeter of the herd, on the perimeter of the flock. That's easy prey for the lion. Someone say amen. Because if you got a dead corpse without shackles on it, a dead corpse without handcuffs on it, it may very well be alive and just sleeping for right now. I dare to say tonight that there are a lot of things that we ain't necessarily totally died out to, but we've just grown asleep to. And it's not until the proper environment, the proper time, or the proper place that awakens something that's fell asleep dormant in our spirit. And whenever that happens, you're going to need some shackles. Whenever that happens, you're going to need some chains. Whenever that happens, you're going to need some handcuffs. Someone say amen. We're going to need something that's going to keep all of that in check. Amen. Someone say yes. 
I don't want to live on the perimeter. Amen. The more we are submerged in this walk, the more we are submerged in this way, the more we are submerged steadfast in the faith, the more we are submerged in his doctrine, the less likely we'll be prayed for the enemy, the less likely we'll be prayed for the devil, the more that we're submerged in the preaching and hearing and, and allowing it, amen, to transform our lives, the more that we're submerged, amen, in prayer, the more that we're submerged in all of these things, the less likely we'll be prayed for the enemy we become easy prey for the enemy when we've not submerged our life whenever we've not totally engrossed our life in the things that be of God someone say amen submitting ourselves to God is placing ourselves our lives our actions in his hands Jesus said what did he say he said no man is able to pluck them out of my father's hand When you actually submit yourself to the hands of the Father, no man, no man is able to pluck anybody out of the Father's hand. Hallelujah. Because see, it's a big difference in getting in the Father's hand and letting just the Father's hand touch you. Father's hand touching me. There ain't there isn't a whole lot of submission to that, maybe unless he gets his hand on my head. <laughs> but him just touching me, there's not a whole lot of submission in that. But me surrendering all that I have to his hands. Now that is a tale of a different story. That is submission. But if I get there, no man be able to pluck me out. <laughs> Gotta be sowed out to this thing. Why? I'll tell you why. Because although we're in the world and not of the world, we're still subjected to a lot of stuff that's around us in this world. In so much the Bible says in 2 Peter chapter 2 and verse 7 in the New Testament scripture, the Bible says, and delivered, I'm kind of jumping in the middle of a little uh, section of scripture here, and delivered just lot, vexed with the filthy conversation of the wicked. For that Righteous man. That's what he was when he entered Sodom and Gomorrah. That righteous man dwelling among them. Who? The Sodom and Gomorrahites. <laughs> In seeing and hearing. Vexed his righteous soul. From day to day. With their unlawful deeds. Now, the setting of the scripture in which all of this is, the Bible speaks how God did not spare the angels that sinned, but cast them down to hell. That God did not spare the old world and them that were in it, but saved a righteous man, Noah, and his family. That God did not spare the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah, but he delivered just Lot. And even that righteous man didn't come out totally unscathed due to his living conditions. The old scripture comes back to my mind that says, For if the righteous scarcely be saved, where shall be ungodly and the sinner 
appear because the Bible says Lot entered into Sodom and Gomorrah as a righteous man but day by day living in that surroundings living in that environment he was vexed he was wore down that literally means he was wore down with the filthy conversations or if you will the filthy which means usually lifestyles of the wicked people of Sodom and Gomorrah he entered righteous and he dwelt among them he saw them the Bible says and he heard them and based upon he saw and upon what he heard that affected him that vexed his righteousness folks to think that we can live in the world and see what they do and hear what they do and the lifestyles that they have amen and be able to stay pure and tainted we're in great air amen to think that we can go through life amen without that type of influence in many many instances we're subjected amen in this pilgrim this pilgrimage on this earth we're affected by those things that are around us and if we're living in that environment it's going to have a negative effect upon our life but that's the reason why we got to be as the apostle we need a daily in renewal a daily renewal is imperative it's the only way to combat the day by day assault of our living environment They're vile actions. There's vile voices we encounter. Amen. They'll wear upon us. They'll vex us if we're not combating that with some type of daily renewal. And so we encourage ourselves knowing that God is aware of our plight and that he knows how to deliver the godly out of temptation. But the scripture goes on. Someone say amen. The scripture goes on. And 2 Peter 2 and he's speaking about a group of people that has erred from the faith. And the, the apostle describes him, and this is kind of a, one of those moments, it's kind of a wow moment for me, but the apostle describes them, this group that had erred from the faith, as spots and blemishes. Now, the Bible speaks, and many of you are aware, speaks of whenever Christ comes back for his church it's a glorious church that has made herself ready without spot or wrinkle or any such thing now whenever we talk about spots and wrinkles concerning the glorious church we often speak about spots and wrinkles in terms of things that have been done wrong or things that have been misaligned with God but we know from Corinthians that the church, although there's one body and one spirit, there are many members. Someone hear me right now. We're talking about the church. The church doesn't have, oh, I, I'm hoping not going to get in trouble here. The church, the church as an entity, the church he's coming back for, the church doesn't have any wrong. Now just stay with me. The church don't have any blemishes. It's not some misalignment that the church needs correct. Let me say this. The church never backslides. People backslide. Whenever we went through the book of Ephesians, we talk about predestination. Remember, he was predestining the church. He wasn't predestining people. It was a choice up to us to be a part of the church or not a part of the church. The church is that which is predestined. It has a destiny and a home that is sure and secure. Right. 
Amen. So church doesn't backslide. People backslide. But where we speak about spots and wrinkles and any such thing, we ascribe those things many times to things that are done wrong or things that are in misalignment with God. But let me just, just kind of throw this towards you from 2 Peter 2 and verse number 13 whenever he spoke of people as being spots and people being blemishes. Could it be that the Lord's coming back for a glorious church without spot or blemish and that isn't so much so as though the church is in misalignment or the church has sin as it is people. Because she's made of members. Sin doesn't have to have dominion over you, sir. Sin doesn't have to have dominion over you, ma'am. A ready church is going to be a church I'm not trying to be brass here with my first Sunday back. But a glorious church and a ready church is going to be a church without some people. Amen. Namely spots and wrinkles and blemishes. And I just got to pose a question tonight. Is the church still accounted as glorious if you're a part of it? told God a long time ago, Lord, I don't I'll preach for people. I'll preach for your applause. So if heaven's applauding right now, that's okay with me. I believe some of us come to the term in the road that we believe we cannot get over some things in life. We can't get over some old things in life. We can't get over some old cyclic sins in life. I come to tell you quite differently today. Sin does not have to have dominion over you. It does not have to have dominion for you, over you. I'm not a part of this gang that says all roads lead to heaven. You should know that by now. I'm not a part of that. Amen. Philosophy, do whatever you want to do. God's got grace. He's got love. All roads lead to heaven. That's a bunch of hogwash as well. I read in verse number 14 of that same Second Peter chapter number 2. Amen. But the Bible tells me that those that cannot cease from sin, this is what the scripture told us, those that cannot cease from sin have forsaken the right way. Now this is just for every Lord help me not to be mean this is just for all of the mentality that circles around well there isn't no wrong or right way to come to God let me tell you that's a bunch of baloney folks because if there isn't a right way to come to God then how can there be a right way to forsake and abandon If it doesn't matter and it all goes the same direction, it doesn't matter what you choose and there's no per se defined right way, amen, to come to God. Why is there a right way to forsake and abandon if there's not a right way to approach and go after? There is a right way and sin don't have to have dominion over you. Someone say amen. I won't hold you much longer. I've already been up here long enough. Time's just going by. Sorry, I appreciate it. Thank you. Amen. Here is the placement. I want you to see this. 
And I don't think I shared this with you up there. Just forgive me. All right. But here is the placement of everything concerning for sin shall not here here's how that statement was able to be made emphatically first of all i want you to notice a few things in my scripture setting and in my text the bible says if you're free from sin you're servants of righteousness all right that's what it tells me and then a few verses later it tells me but if you're servants of sin you'll be free of righteousness So if you're free from sin, you'll serve righteousness. But if you serve sin, you'll be free from righteousness. And therein lies the problem. Why am I contending with this sin stuff and I can't go forward and be righteous? You, why is there no righteous acts or deeds materializing in my life? Why am I free from righteousness? Evidently, according to God's word, you've made yourself a servant to sin. Because here is, here is the ploy, folks. You cannot be free from sin and righteousness. And you can't be servants to righteousness and sin. If you're a servant of sin, out goes righteousness. If you're a servant to righteousness, out goes So herein lies the problem. Again, it's not that you have a new set of problems, a new set of afflictions. It's we got a discipline problem. Someone say amen. Oh, yeah. And so we got this. Now, look what it says. Look what it says here in the verses prior to verse number 14. Hallelujah. I, and I, I want to go further up as far as I can go. Not necessarily, but verse number 7. The Bible says, for he that is dead is freed from sin. Now, I've said all this before, but let me bear repeating and be redundant today. A dead person doesn't care what's going on. A dead person's not being influenced. A dead person doesn't have any feelings. <laughs> and if, he says, he that is dead is free from sin... The beck and the call of sin doesn't affect something dead. Well, someone say glory, amen, hallelujah, thank you, Jesus. Look what he says. And I'll start somewhere around verse 12. Maybe verse 11. He says, likewise, this is Romans 6. Reckon ye also yourselves to be dead indeed unto sin. That's where you want to die to. He says, but alive unto God through Jesus Christ our Lord. He says, let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body that ye should obey in the lust thereof. He said, neither yield your members as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin, but yield yourselves unto God as those that are alive from the dead and your members as instruments of righteousness to God. And based upon that, for sin shall not have dominion over you. 
Now we want we take sometimes scriptures we lasso and just man I'm not sin not gonna have dominion over me. All of that's predicated on who and what you are yielding yourself unto. Now now now, now I, I need to go up just a little further just real quick verse number six. Knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him. Now look at this. That the body of sin might be destroyed. Now listen to me. Listen to me. We come to the Lord. We repent of our sins. Or sinning. God takes care of our sins. And our sinning. But there's still an element in this world today called sin. Listen. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Sin. He said that the body of sin might be destroyed. Sin does not materialize or is not active unless it has a body. Hallelujah. God's Spirit, the Holy Ghost, is active in a life through a body. The counterpart of that sin is active through a body. You don't give it a body. It has no activity. You say, well, I still see sin all around me. Well, it's active in somebody else's body. (laughs) Sin is a parasite that needs a host in order to function. But if the host is dead, the parasite can't live there. I said I'm going to close. I got four seconds to do it. It might take just a little longer than that. The Bible says, look at it now. And this is always something that has just really grasped my attention whenever I have read this in verse number 19. And here is a grand secret for us as well. Amen. To be free from sin. He says in verse 19, and we have it up there. Sis, I read it in my scripture reading. He says, I speak after the manner of men because of the infirmity of your flesh. The infirmity of your flesh is that it has a propensity to sin. All right? For as, look, here's the secret. For as ye have yielded your members' servants to uncleanness and to iniquity and unto iniquity, even now, even so now, yield your members' servants to righteousness unto holiness here is the revelatory truth you sinned and had sins in your life because you yielded to that he's saying to the same degree and level that you yielded to sin just switch tracks and yield to righteousness and holiness It's not like there's a secret formula here. Take the same submissiveness that you gave to sin and just give that submissiveness to God. Here lies the difficulty, the reason why some of us are not as successful as being a Christian as we were as being a sinner is because we're not yielding the same surrender to God as we did to the sin that we did in the world. 
It's not a special formula. He's just saying you give me the same honor, the same allegiance as you gave the things of the world and there'll be no problems. Sin won't have dominion over you. Stand with me, please, right now. Amen. Hallelujah. We just bow our heads all over this place. Folks, you can be free from sin. Sin doesn't have to have dominion over you. You don't have to go toe-to-toe with the same old, same old, same old issues day in, day out, year in, year out. You don't have to walk through life with that creeping up and then walk away from that with guilt and shame and regret and heartache and dismay and always feel like you're reaching in order to get it and you're never going to reach it. You don't have to live life that way. Amen. I admonish you tonight. Yield yourself to the Lord to the same degree that you yielded yourself to the world. I just I just ask you this evening that you would just somehow totally die out. Amen. To those things. Amen man of the life that you used to have and please by all means shackle yourself and handcuff yourself as well amen for the times whenever living in the day to day affairs of this life with all the afflictions when they beck and whenever they call let there be a second mode of insurance amen that's going to keep you amen in regard amen to the things of his righteousness and the things of his holiness don't go without restraint amen you're stronger than I am if you can go without restraint I got to have those restraints on my life because every once in a while that corpse wants to come back to life every once in a while it wants to rear its head again amen but if I got that second measure of restraint it's going to keep me in check doesn't have to have dominion over you this sermon tonight is not a this this was not meant to come forward as a sermon of impossibility this is supposed to be a sermon of impossibility you can have dominion over sin you can be free from sin you do not have to fight that battle day in and day out there's going to become some things that come but you don't have to succumb to it why 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 am i feeling the way that i do brother mcgee why am i dealing with what i'm doing right now honey i told you before you're just trying to live life contrary to what your nature is your nature says you just do whatever you want to do your nature says you don't have to have any authority in your life your nature says amen you just go and have fun and do it all it really isn't going to matter in the end that's what your nature says amen you need to turn about amen and a bacon about face and go against that and submit yourself to God and be steadfast in the faith and honey you'll be able to resist all those formidable odds that are against you I'm here to tell somebody in this evening service you can make it. I'm here to tell somebody right now that may have been pondering in their minds and in the closed doors of their houses that you've been batting your mind. I don't know if I'm going to give this church thing any much longer. I don't know. I've been doing this for a few years now and it seems like I just can't get on the horse and ride. I think I'm just going to throw in the towel. I think I'm just going to give up. I've come here on this Sunday night in the Holy Ghost to tell somebody to tie a knot and hang on. Amen. You can succeed. You can get over it. You can be a Christian. You can walk in godliness and righteousness and holiness you can be a child of God don't you dare give up sin doesn't have to have dominion over you you, these altars are open right thank you for listening 
If you would like more information about our services and activities, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter with the username FACMC. Again, that's FACMC. Thank you, and have a blessed day.